This is FaithCast, weekly messages from Victory Faith in Spokane, Washington. To stay connected with Victory Faith, visit victoryfaith.org where you can submit prayer requests and praise reports, sign up to receive weekly email updates, give online, and much, much more. Consider joining us for our live stream online Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at victoryfaith.org slash live. Now, on to the message. Hi, I'm Brenna. And I'm David. And, and we, we are, are on the maintenance, maintenance team. team. As the maintenance team, we get to create an environment where people can feel at home in the presence of God. And we help keep this building safe, clean, and comfortable. The unique thing about the maintenance team is that there's actually two opportunities to serve. You could help us on a Sunday morning with disinfecting, or uh, you could come in on Thursday and help with other things as well. And you don't need any special skill sets to join. Maybe you just have a particular dislike of dust and you would like to come vacuum and keep the, all the dust out. Or maybe you'd love to prune trees or bushes and help us with our landscape. Perhaps you just have extra time on your hands and you'd like to hang out with people and don't mind pushing a vacuum or a broom while you do it. If so, we would love to meet you. Come meet us at the table. Hey Victory Faith, my name is McKenna. I'm the director of Victory Faith Youth and I also lead the Sunday greeting team here at Victory Faith. What I love about the greeting team is having the opportunity to smile and give people a warm welcome as they come into the house of the Lord. Another great thing about the greeting team is that you just don't know when that smile or that warm welcome is gonna change somebody's day, gonna change somebody's, even their church experience. Um, and we have a lot of new guests coming in and sometimes that can be really uncomfortable and nerve wracking and so, being on the greeting team is a great opportunity not only to meet more people, to make new connections, but also to help those new guests feel warm and welcome and just like they're at home, just like we want. And so, yeah, we would love for you to be a part of the greeting team. Come talk to us at the tables out in the lobby, and we'd love to talk more. Hey, Victory Faith. My name's Allison. I'm on the media team. And what the media team is, is we run the cameras, we run the slides for lyrics during worship, and we run the live stream. And what that really means is we can help people connect into worship, feel engaged, even when they don't quite know what to expect. And beyond what you see on a Sunday, we can actually reach people that are outside of the building, outside of the community, outside of our nation even, if they really want to just see what we're about and see what a Sunday morning is like. This team has been so impactful in my own life. I have had so much really measurable growth in this creative side of me. I can go back and see the first few times that I was on camera or on taking pictures on a Sunday and I can see tangible growth and see how I've gotten better and that's because of the community that I'm in in this team. and all the supportive and creative people that I'm around all the time, constantly encouraging me and helping me get better. So I love this team, and if you feel interested in the team, please go out and talk to us at our table. We would love to have a chat with you. Hey, amen. So good, I love those, I love those videos. And uh, can I just say thank you for uh, Letting, letting us just kind of push a little bit in worship. You know, God loves us, but he loves us so much he doesn't want us to stay the same. 
And some, you know, actually that's a definition of God's love. God loves unconditionally, agape. And it actually means that God loves us not based on what we want, but based on what we need. And his love is constantly wanting to provoke us and push us always. Our whole walk with Jesus, it's never meant to be comfortable. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, if you want to follow me, give up your life and come follow me for a brand new one. And it's gonna cost you everything. And when we realize that and we, we lean into that, then that's reinforced. And man, I tell you what, like this week we had three nights called 2022 nights uh, with a bunch of our young people, about 400 young people gathered at three different churches for three different nights. And I'll tell you what, I mean, these young people are going for it in worship. God is awakening something inside of them. And you know, the word of God says, if we don't cry out, the rocks will cry out. And so um, we are moving church forward. That's where we're at. We're, we're in a place where we're, and we are a part of the church. And so God is saying, wherever you are, you don't get to stay there anymore. You gotta get up, you gotta move forward. You gotta change if you're gonna be a part of what God's doing. And when we lean into that, it's bittersweet. It hurts, but it feels so good. And so um, last week, Pastor Ellie preached a phenomenal message at the Valley Campus. If you didn't see it, I encourage you to get online, check it out. She just talked about what it means to be the body and all the different parts. And I, I love that Pastor Ellie was able to minister last week. Uh, like we believe in the generations. And so you see that in a multiplicity of ways at Victory Faith. One of those ways is you see it uh, with our communicators. You see that we believe in multi-generations being able to have a voice. We also believe that God says that he'll pour out his spirit on all flesh, on men and on women. And we are a house that believes that women can teach, women can preach, women Women can lead churches. Women can be in eldership. And you're gonna see that. That's a part of who we are. We believe God wants to use men and women uh, and, and, and pour out his spirit on that. And so we love it. I love that we had a, a young female preacher carrying the word of God. And um, it's beautiful. God is doing something fresh and something new. So this morning, I wanna do our third installment of Moving Church Forward. And here's what I wanna do. I want, to, I, I want us to think about where we're at, and I want us to be confronted with some of the things that we all seem to struggle with, and I want us to hear God's heart about how he can move us forward. You know, it, it doesn't matter where you grew up, it doesn't matter what culture, it doesn't matter what, what language, it doesn't matter gender, male or female, it doesn't matter what, what our life experience was and our journey that has brought us to this place. There, there are problems, there are issues that plague all of humanity in the same way. Uh, things that I will struggle with here and somebody that's living in India will struggle with exactly the same thing. The interesting thing about sin uh, is that it crosses all of those barriers and all of those, those, those things. And so as we get into the, the, the word, this morning, as we kind of pinpoint on something, um, I want you to be very careful not to think this is for your husband or this is for your wife or, hey, I know somebody that this message would be really good for because we all do that. We all kind of excuse ourselves from the word because it's always pertinent to somebody else. The word this morning is pertinent to me and it's pertinent to you. So I want you to be in that frame of reference this morning as we pick it up. So we're gonna look at, Paul was talking to Timothy and he gives this long list of problems. We're gonna read through them. We're gonna loop back and we're gonna narrow in on one. We're gonna unpack it. Then we're gonna see God's heart in it. Then we're gonna respond and we're gonna be changed. Amen? Amen. Thank you, front row. Um, Second Timothy, uh, they're just the ones I can hear the most. Second Timothy chapter three, verses one to four, he says, but understand this, that in the last days, we are living in the last days, okay? There will be times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, 
arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. What a description, swollen with conceit, (laughs) lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Loop back and let's look at this one little phrase, for people will be lovers of self. Lovers of self, or really a a simple way to say that is people will be selfish. This word, the sense of the word in the Greek means this. It means characterized, pardon me, 14 turning 15. (laughs) Characterized by affections concerned chiefly with one's self and one's own advantages to the exclusion of others. So it means that, that, that our heart is so deeply concerned with, with me and with what is advantage to me. But it's not just that. It's so, I am so self-absorbed that in the midst of it, I, have, I, have, I exclude everybody else. I, I am so focused on me that I have nothing left to give to you. I am so self-absorbed. I am so in love with myself. I am so self-focused and self-motivated that it's all about what I want, what I think, what I feel. And this is, a, this is something that plagues every person in this room, everybody online. Every single one of us, every single day will be confronted with this side of us, this human propensity that is outside of Christ that wants to be and live selfish. And I know we're not five minutes into the message. You're like, Pastor Trevor, this is not the message I came to church to hear. I don't really want to dive into this. Me either. (laughs) Listen, God wants us to move forward in our relationship with him. And I want you to be encouraged this morning as we unpack and look at this issue. I want you to be encouraged because we're gonna move to a point where we realize there is a life that we are called to live far above selfishness. There is a life that we are called to live that would emulate and look like Jesus who is completely selfless, the servant of all servants, the one who came not to be served, but to serve, to give of himself. You know, when you think about... This season of life, it feels like everybody on the earth is having babies all around. And, you know, it's, it's awesome. But, but the amazing thing about babies is that they are completely helpless when they come out. And we all understand that. And nobody knocks them for it. But, but, it, but the whole world, when they're born and they're brand new, the whole world revolves around them. In fact, the whole world will pause to stare at them and to, and to smell their heads and to touch them and to, to look at them. Like the whole world will stop. And, and when the baby wants to... When the baby wants to be fed, then, then we feed the baby, right? And when the baby is crying and it needs to be comforted, of course, we pick up the baby and we, we comfort the little child and we, we hold them and we rock them and we do that. And when, and when the diaper needs to be changed, mom or dad will go and change the diaper. Yeah, dads can change diapers. We, we do everything for this little child, but we all understand, not forever, Like there's this point where the child gets some buy-in into the game. 
right? There's a, there's a point in life where the child actually begins to contribute to society and not just take from it. And it's not just all about me. But if you're not careful, you will create this little me monster in your child if it becomes all about them for too long. And so you have a five-year-old toddler and you've been slaving away and you make a beautiful meal and you put it down before them and you hear these words, I don't want that. If you're a good parent, you've read some books, you'll probably say something like this. Thank you, little Timmy, for sharing your heart so clearly and communicating so boldly with what you think and with what you feel. I'm just here to let you know that this is what we're having for dinner. And if you don't want to eat that, then you can go to bed hungry. I don't like that food. Well, guess what, Timmy? I love you, but I don't care. Right? Now that's good parenting. With love, I don't care. I don't like that food. Because honestly, it goes on. I don't want to brush my teeth. I don't want to shower. I don't want to go to bed. I don't want to help with chores. I don't feel like cleaning my room. I don't feel like going to school. And if we feed into that, there's this little me monster. It's just all about me. It's about what I want, what I think, what I feel. Everybody serve me. Everybody contribute to me. And we get it. And we look at that and we go, absolutely, that little child needs to grow up. But inside every single one, we might not be a five-year-old toddler this morning, but if we are honest with ourselves, we live our lives identically to that. We live our lives like the whole world revolves around us. My thoughts, my ideas, my opinions, you find it in your marriage, you find it in your work environment, we find it in the relationships that we have. If we're honest with ourselves, we go through our day and the lens is, is it good for me? Does it make me happy? Even when we relate to God, I don't really feel like worshiping this morning, God. And it's like he looks at us lovingly and says, that's great, thank you for being honest, but guess what? I don't really care (laughs) because worship is a choice. I don't like to worship like that. Well, that's a way that we worship. We live in a generation that is self-absorbed. I like, just like you do, to be able to open up my phone and and take pictures of my kids and grab a selfie with my wife or some friends. You're at a conference and we take a lot of selfies. No big deal, but but it's interesting. It it can just reinforce this selfish thing inside of us where it becomes all about me getting the best picture. I mean, let's be honest. Family pictures happen. You have it on your phone and you automatically, you don't care what anybody else looks like. Somebody could have a head wound and bleeding down the side of their face. You just, you just zero in on yourself. You're like, I'm, I look amazing. This is the one. We all do it, right? And it might be funny, but honestly, those are the things that reinforce the fact that we are always thinking about ourselves. Social media is amazing, but Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and a lot of those things can really just be about me. I'm going to tell everybody what I ate. I'm going to tell everybody about what I think and what I feel. And here's some more pictures about me. And here's another picture of me. But here's a better picture of me. And it all reinforces all of that. Like when my kids were little, and it still happens, but when they're little especially, they'd be playing on a playground or somewhere, and you always hear, Mom, Mom, Dad, Dad, look at this. Watch this. Hey, hey, Dad, watch this. I'm like, I'm watching. I'm like staring at you. I have been for the last two hours. I'm still staring. Watch me. Look at me which is positive. They need affirmation. They want our attention. They want our focus, right? 
But listen, if we're not careful, we live our lives like the whole world is supposed to do that. Like the whole world's supposed to pause and stop and reflect and bend towards you or bend towards me. And in fact, if we're not careful, really I create a Christianity where God is supposed to bend to my will rather than me bend to his will. God needs to bend to my thoughts rather than me bending towards God's thoughts. Why? Because I am a selfish human being. I will confess it publicly in the room. I am selfish. I'm probably more selfish than you are, but you have the same disease as I do. You have the same struggles. And if we don't see it, take ownership for it and deal with it, it will negatively affect and probably destructively affect every human relationship we have. It destroys marriages, it destroys churches, it destroys friendships, and it definitely destroys our relationship with the Lord's. My wants, my needs, my way, my feelings, right? Right now it's like, it's all about my story. It's my story. It's my journey. It's my experiences. It's where I've been. It's my choices, right? Consumerism feeds this. Like, I don't want pizza. It does not entertain me today. But Thai food would be wonderful. I don't want to shop at that store. I would prefer to shop at this store. And we have all these choices. And not that any of those things are wrong. Hear me. It's not that selfies are wrong or, or, or uh, it, you know, social media is wrong or, or buying stuff is wrong. I'm just saying that if we're not careful, all of it reinforces that it's all about me. I wonder if anybody saw that I bought that new outfit. Why didn't anybody say anything to me? Why didn't anybody? I served on a team for the first time and nobody actually acknowledged me. What about me? And honestly, be honest with yourself. There is a little me monster that lives inside of each of us and we need to starve it to death. My choices. It's my body, my choice. It's my gender, my choice. I'm gonna choose my gender. Why? Because it's all about me. It's my truth. And here's the deal. If you don't line up with what I think, what I feel and how I'm living my life, I will just cancel you and walk away from you. And I'm just gonna find other people that will gravitate towards me. And yet God's plan is to fit us together with people who don't think like us, don't act like us. And they're actually God's gift to us to grow and to mature. So what is the solution? Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. I no longer live. I, moi, me, I no longer live. Me, my self-life, the way I used to live, I don't live anymore, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I died to the old way. I died to selfishness and pride and lust and, and gossip. and slime. I died to that. My old person used to live like that. I died and now Christ lives inside of me. I died to my independent living. Just to remind us, when we said yes to Jesus, we were saying, I'm no longer in charge. I trust you to be in charge. I am no longer my small G God. You are God. It's about your thoughts. It's about your ways. It's about your morality. It's about your purpose. It's about your destiny. Even my gifts, all of them are all about you. I, 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 I exist to make your name great, not my own name great. We died to ourselves. Our relationships are not about us. Our marriage is not about us. 
our talents and our dreams. It's not about us. The amount of money that we can make, it's not about us. Worship is not about us. The world does not revolve around us. The world is supposed to revolve around the Lord, who is the centerpiece in the midst of it. I died to that life. And God is so good that he gives us opportunities over and over and over again to reinforce that fact on a daily basis, to reinforce to ourself that it's not all about me, but it's about him. I remember when I first gave my life to the Lord around the age of 19 and I remember just having this season of about a year just just praying and worshiping and going after God and dealing with my sin and all of my stuff. And I felt so clean. I felt so holy. I felt, in fact, I felt probably better than the other people around me. I felt like I was at a better place in God. There was some pride in there that I didn't see, but I just felt so good and I felt so amazing. And I thought it can't get any better than this. I have truly died with Christ and I no longer live, but he lives inside of me. That's, that was genuinely my experience. I'm like, this is amazing. I have reached this pinnacle. I'm up there with Moses and I'm up there with Elijah and I'm up there. I mean, there's Jesus and I'm just right below. I mean, I have, I have attained this that's how I felt, right? Ever been there? You're like, I've got this thing totally figured and totally worked out. It, and I was like the guy who plays guitar in the garage by himself. Never plays with a band, never practices uh, to, to a metronome to keep, he just jams by himself and he is the world's best guitar player because nobody hears it and because he's not playing with anybody. That's how I was living my life. And I thought, this is amazing. And then I got married, And it didn't take long in marriage for me to realize how selfish my wife was. (laughs) That's not true. I began to realize how selfish I was. I began, I'm like, wait a second. I thought we worked this all out. I thought I, what, what has happened? We had this figured out. And he's like, yeah, now there is this close relationship that you have that is actually my gift to you. And there, she thinks differently than you and she wants different things and, and she wants to be served and she would like the dishes done and her feet rubbed. And there's something inside that's like, but, but, but what about my needs? What about what I want? Fundamentally, the core problem in probably any marriage that is not doing well, saved or unsaved, has to do with selfishness. Two selfish people who won't, nobody's gonna bend. You cross the line, come over to my world. And the other one's like, you cross the line and come over to my world. And then we had like five years where we just began to rhythm and figure it out and we died. And, and, and suddenly there was this new pinnacle, this, this, this new place that we had reached. Like together, we are God's gift to the world now. This is absolutely amazing, right? And then we had children. <laughs> One and two and three and four. And we suddenly realized that there was a deeper level of selfishness that had to be dealt with inside of me. I don't want to get out of bed in the middle of the night as my wife shoves me out of bed and says, it's your turn, (laughs) right? I was confronted with that. God, God knows that we grow in connection, that we grow in relationships, that we grow not in isolation like the guitar player in the garage, but we grow with one another. And it is our relationships with one another that help us deal with selfishness. 
See, God's desire is not that we would be self-focused, but that we would be other people's focused. That we would actually think about other people more than we would think about ourselves. But it's so uncomfortable to do. And it's, it's something that we have to train ourselves. We have to discipline ourselves. We have to intentionally allow God to train us to think different, live different, and act different. So Destiny is in seventh grade and they, they, they have basketball, right? And it's amazing. All these young girls are learning to play basketball, most of them for the first time. And so the refs, they're not calling much traveling because most of the game is traveling at this point. And nobody's calling fouls because it's just a slap fest. They're just, they're just over each other, smacking each other. I mean, it's just, and he's just like trying to let it go because the girls are learning the game. But just over like six weeks or eight weeks, whatever it was, it was amazing to watch the girls learn and rhythm and they're making shots and they're slapping each other a little less and they're traveling a little less. They are learning new skills and they are learning how, how, how to implement those. Listen, this is the rhythm with God is that, He teaches us and he coaches us and he helps us get better and better and better. And the gift that he has given to us to deal with our selfishness is each other. Yes, it's your marriage. Yes, it's your kids, but it's also me and it's also you. And there are all these phrases that God has in the Bible, all of these one another's. And I wanna go through several of them and they are God's word to us and they're God's exhortation to reinforce the fact, get your eyes off of yourself and focus on other people. So I want to walk through a few of these this morning and not do a deep dive on any of them, but just mention quite a few of them. First Peter 3.8 says, love one another deeply from the hearts. In, in, in other words, take the love that you've encountered from God and, and take it and now give it away. The greatest commandment is to love God. The second great commandment is to love others. And so take that selfless love, take that agape, take that perfect love and turn around and learn to love other people deeply. You look at your relationships, am I loving them? What would love choose to do? First Corinthians chapter 13 could explain all of that. And most of the rest of the scriptures we're gonna read this morning kind of unpack this thought and this idea. But first Corinthians 13 says, love is not self-seeking. Jesus, Jesus didn't come to get anything from you. Primarily, he came to give. He came to give of his life for you and for I. And the result of that hopefully will be that we will turn. But he gave selflessly. He gave knowing that many would not choose him. Love each other deeply. Ephesians 4, 32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another. Kindness goes a whole long way when you answer kindly and you, you uh, react kindly to somebody. Compassionate means that we see where somebody else is at. And it's not about us in that moment. It's actually about them. They need something from us. They need us to enter their world where they are hurting or where they are struggling and to show them compassion and to show them that we care. And while they're pouring out their heart to us to put our phone in our back pocket and not be answering a text, to show kindness and to show compassion to one another, to see things from their point of view, to hear their story, to hear their struggles. Hebrews chapter three, verse 13 says, encourage one another daily. 
And this is such a practical one. Encourage one another daily. That means when you wake up every day, look for intentional opportunities to encourage other people, to say something nice to somebody else, not worrying about whether somebody's saying something nice to you. And when we do that, we reinforce this pattern of thinking about other people. What is it that I can encourage them with? There are some people it's hard to find a lot of things because they can be difficult people. But you could still encourage them that their outfit looks great. You could still encourage them that they're doing a great job at work. Whatever we can do, all of a sudden we're looking. Ask the question with the people that you come into contact with, with the people in your family, the people we rub shoulders with throughout the day. Who is it that I can encourage? It says encourage one another daily. Look for opportunities to be intentional, to build somebody up, to water somebody else, to say something nice to someone else. See, and all of these things, they're focused on other people. And as we endeavor to love deeply and to be kind and compassionate, and, and we look to encourage other people, the more we do that, the more the little me monster inside of us begins to atrophy and weaken and eventually will just die. And we will live this beautiful life that Jesus has called us to. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Hebrews 10 verse 24. Spur one another on to good deeds. It's like the guy who's on the team who doesn't just want to be great, but wants everybody else on the team to be great. That's this idea that's found here. That we spur one another on to love and to good deeds. Romans 12 verse 10. Honor one another above yourselves. Honor one another. That word honor means to treat with value and to treat with worth. To, 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 to treat people in such a way that says, I see you, I appreciate you, I recognize you. And in fact, part of honor is I'm gonna publicly encourage you. There's a place to privately encourage people. There's also a public way to give affirmation. It gives honor to somebody. So last week we were up at the north side and uh, Maria was leading worship um, and it was just so beautiful, right? Yes. And um, she, it was beautiful. And I just, and I said to her just from the stage, I was just, and it just kind of popped out of me. I just, I started encouraging her about her gift and how well she sings and all of that it just kind of sprung up out of me, but you could see her face. It just lit up and it was like, but it, it, it honored her in the congregation. There's something about that, something about the words that we say and the way we treat each other in the public way. We honor others above ourselves. Philippians 2, 3. In humility, consider others better than yourselves. Pride's our biggest enemy. Consider others. Treat others in a way that they feel great and they feel like the hero. You might be more skilled and more knowledgeable than them. You don't have to tell all your facts. You don't have to tell all your breakthroughs. You don't have to tell all your stories. You could just make it, you and I could make it about somebody else and we could consider them. We could, we could talk about their achievements. We could talk about their goals. We could talk about, so at the end of the day, they walk away from the conversation feeling like, oh my goodness, like I feel so built up. Submit to one another. Ephesians 5.21, out of reverence for Christ. Submission is this, it's, 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 it's this place where, hey, whatever you wanna do, let's, let's do that. Like I'll, I'll bend your way. I'll submit to kind of your thoughts and, and your ideas in this. It's where we bend and where we get flexible and where we, we ebb and we flow and we find it in marriage, but we find it in all of our relationships. Romans 12.10, a few more. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. 
be devoted to one another. Listen to the language, the, the, the commitment that's involved. I used to be so committed to myself, but now I am committed to you. I am devoted to love you. I am devoted to encourage you. I am devoted to honor you. I am devoted to build you up. I'm devoted to serve you. I'm, commi- I'm in it. And that, it, it speaks of like strength and permanence to be, to be devoted to one another. When, when there's difficulty, I'm not going anywhere. I'm committed to you. Romans 12, 16, live in harmony with one another. Live in harmony. I'm gonna do whatever I can to be at peace with you. I'm gonna forgive. I'm gonna love. I'm not gonna hold grudges. I'm I'm gonna look uh, and think in this conversation, how can I bring harmony to it rather than discord? How How could I be positive rather than be negative? to live in harmony with one another. Galatians 6, 2, carry each other's burdens. We all have problems. We all have struggles and we all have difficulties. And the lie is that one day when you don't have those, you'll be able to help somebody else. Bing, 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 big lie. Because guess what? You're always gonna have problems and you're always gonna have difficulties. You're always gonna have struggles. That's what God encouraged us with that. He says, don't be surprised when you've got trials and tribulations and difficulties and struggles and when people hate you and all this. Like the world is broken. We're always gonna have our problems, but there's this mature place where we say, you know what? In the midst of what I'm going through, I am so focused I'm more focused on what you're going through. I'm I'm gonna help encourage you and I'm gonna help carry your weight and carry your burden and and, and understand what you're going through and your struggle. And and when my marriage is struggling right now, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna try and help serve your marriage. We would carry each other's burdens rather than this, this idea of like, I got me, you got you. That's the world's. That's the world's way. Like I'm gonna, no, no, we serve one another. We, we work together with one another. Galatians 5:13 serve one another in love. And 1 Peter 4 verse 9 offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Jesus came not to be served, Jesus came to serve. The greatest, the best, holy perfect. Pastor Craig's going to talk about this next week and unpack the whole, the whole thing about greatest is the servant. But, but listen, that's what he, the greatest of all did all of these things and they were all selfless. And the more I practice them, the better I get, the, the better I get at dribbling the ball, the better I get at passing, the better I get at making the shot. The more I practice, the less awkward it becomes till I begin to actually create a habit where when I wake up, I am thinking about other people more than I'm thinking about myself. In fact, one of the ways to be really happy in life in the midst of all the difficult things that we're going through is to serve somebody else, is to help somebody else, is to get get. Get my, get my eyes off of my little world and my problems, which I could just stare at and be discouraged and depressed and just serve somebody else in the midst of it. And it will put things in perspective. There's always somebody going through more than you are going through. And the beauty is that we are all encouraged to do this. So if we are all doing it and you are doing it as an individual, the beauty is other people will also be reciprocating and bringing this back into your life. It goes against culture. Culture is like independent. It's all about you. Climb to the top of the ladder, get as much as you can. Don't share any of it with anybody. 
It's about your name and your book and your popularity and your family. Really? What a lame way to live. It's actually not about any of that. It's about whatever I have using that and leveraging that, whether that be money, whether that be relationship, whether that be influence and platform, to leverage that to serve somebody else, to help somebody else. We have all encountered God. There's a generation that has not encountered him. And as we live like this, they will see Christ in us and they will be drawn. We have been on the last few weeks where we've been talking about serving in the house, serving at Victory Faith, joining a serve team. If, if you're committed to Victory Faith, if this is your home church, we would say several things. We would expect that you would attend public services. Don't forsake the assembling of the saints. We would, we would ask that you would attend a life group and meet in homes like they did in the book of Acts and that you would, you would connect in that way. And we would ask that you would, you would serve, that you would contribute, that you would join a team. Just a little bit of effort on a Sunday morning to help create an atmosphere where other people encounter the presence of the Lord. And that's what you hear in all these testimonies from the parking lot team to the connections team to the greeting team to cafe to maintenance. Like all of it is all about, it's not about me. It's about serving other people. It's about, it's about being an encouragement to them. It's about being on a team and, and, and every person that comes by you or c connects with you on a Sunday, your mission is to encourage them and to honor them and to build them up and to hear about their story and where are you from and what's going on in your world. And then the next week you're on the greeting team and that same person comes through for the second time and you're like, hey, how's your mom? I've been praying for her all week. And they're like, what? Yeah, because, because we are living selflessly. We are looking for opportunity to be able to serve other people. There's a million ways you can serve. And we told you, but, but we told you at the beginning of the series, the goal, the narrow focus for this is in, in the house is, is to beef up all of our volunteers in all capacities. Many hands make light work to be able to create a place where more and more people can encounter the presence of the Lord. I will tell you this, thousands and thousands and thousands are coming to victory faith that do not know Jesus. The billion soul harvest is upon us. A third great awakening is here. We are in the throes of the greatest outpouring the earth has ever seen in the earth. And we need to strengthen and fortify and get ready because they're gonna come in and they need to be seen and they need to be encouraged and they need to be discipled and they need to be loved and they need to be brought into our homes and they need to be built up and then sent out. And then we continue to do that. Listen, if God is bringing people, then we should, we should allow him to shift our hearts in a greater way to be able to make it all about first the Lord and secondly, people. Can you give me an amen for that? You might be like, that's not the message I wanted to hear. I'll be honest with you. It's not the message I want to hear either. My little me monster is just manifesting. That's the truth. But it's beautiful because there is a way where we can die every single day and live a different way, live a different life. Why don't you close your eyes for a moment? If you're here and you've not encountered God's love, I wanna tell you several things. Jesus came to the earth because he loves you. Jesus came to the earth and lived the perfect life that no other human was able to live. He lived perfectly without sin. Jesus would die a brutal death 
taking humanity's spot with the judgment of God so that we could be forgiven for our sins. Jesus came and rose from the dead so that we could have new life, new life in this earth and eternal life beyond the grave with God. Jesus came to reconcile us back to God. Jesus came to break sin cycle. Jesus came to lift shame and condemnation off of our lives. Jesus came to make us children of God. If we would put our faith and our hope and our trust in the work that Jesus did for us, the Bible says that we can be saved, that we can know God's grace and mercy in our lives, and we can know what it is to be forgiven. We can encounter the love of God in our lives, and we can step into a whole new way of living that God has called us to live. If you are in that category and have not made a decision for Jesus, but you wanna say yes to him this morning, would you be bold in the presence of the Lord right now and just lift up your your hand and say, you know what, that's me. I need to say, it's my time to say yes to this amazing gift of eternal life that is found in Jesus with what he did for me. Every week we want to give opportunity for any person that would walk through these doors and say, this is my moment. This is my God moment. Anyone else this morning? I want to lead you in a prayer of confession. And as a church, we're going to pray with you this morning. So as I pray, you can just take these words, pray out loud, uh, put your faith to these words and, and, and use it as a way to invite Jesus into your life. So pray with me. Jesus, I need you and I welcome you into my life. I confess that I'm a sinner in need of grace. And right now I turn from my sin and I ask for your grace in my life. I receive it. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Jesus, I put my faith and my trust in you this morning as my God, as my Savior. I choose you. I say yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, put our hands together for those that made that decision this morning. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're gonna worship, but can I just encourage us? Every week, if you're here, we do that. And we're gonna shamelessly do that every week. Because if there's one person that comes in here who does not believe, we wanna give opportunity for that. And so just in my heart and your heart, let's not get used to that. Let's not just think, oh, that's so cute. Every single week, man, people are encountering Jesus for the first time. In fact, when we kick into that, if you know Jesus, it's a great opportunity to be praying and be asking the Father that he would open eyes and open ears and open hearts. Amen? Amen.